We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday RotoWire NFL podcast, the Jake and Joe edition, sponsored by Dynasty Owner. Will take place every Tuesday, obviously, up until the NFL playoffs. Today's show is going to focus primarily on the news and notes that have occurred in training camp the last couple of days, but also keeper and dynasty conversations, some strategies involved with that, and revisiting our previously mentioned strategies with his redraft or the auction formats of the last two weeks. We're getting closer to the NFL season. It's time to get you guys set for your draft. So stick around uh, for the show. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 9th edition of the Rotor NFL podcast brought to you by Dynasty owner. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and alongside me, as always, is Jake Tarski at Roto Jake. Uh, before we get underway with the podcast, let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategies of running an actual franchise. Dynasty owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager, you'll have complete control of your team's future. You can build the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign over, uh, sign up at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5, that's R-O-T-O-5, to receive $5 off your new team. You are listening to, right now, the Expert League Dynasty Owner Champion. Uh, so obviously, they're a sponsor of ours. But I've been also uniquely successful, and of course, I had to tear down my team afterwards because that's how it works. I will not have a dynasty of champions, but you out there uh, might be able to if you join that program. I love the I love the, the platform, and we got I'll, I'll keep uh, touting it. We got a couple of uh, champions in this uh, dynasty champions, which is fitting of our keeper dynasty oh strategy God. later on here. I've uh, you know our, our fourteen team staff dynasty league. I think uh, I don't think I've ever finished below second place. It's always been a winner or runner up. That's what happens um, when you draft JT and. Derek Henry in the first two rounds. Yeah, and yeah. Else. And Stephon Diggs and Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman. Like, yeah, Pittman, Michael Pittman, Pittman was a rookie yeah. draft pick yeah. that we have. And, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later. I, you guys let me have James Cook down at 13 this year. So, you know, hey, we're going to take that. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about some uh, picks here. But uh, first, there's been a pretty big stack of camp news that we probably need to touch on here before diving into the strategy a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different angles we can go with this. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of Superflex because I was in a Superflex draft. That completed last night. Um, I actually don't think this QB was drafted, and that might be a mistake because he seems to be the clear front runner for QB one. Now we have heard, and this is obviously alluding to Baker Mayfield, that Matt Rule has said he will not make the decision until week three. Like 
the week three preseason game will be when he announces, or more than likely announces, who will be winning the competition between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Sure seems as if it's Baker Mayfield's job to lose at the moment, and if anyone watched the Panthers last year, it's no question as to why that is Baker Mayfield's job mm-hmm. to lose. Are you interested at all in Baker Mayfield as even like, I don't know, QB 20? That would be in the Matt Ryan range. I think Trevor Lawrence and Fields and those yeah. guys go a bit higher than that. So, so this is this is an interesting part. I mean, I don't know if I've got a chance to say on this show how, you know, I think Baker Mayfield got a pretty raw deal in Cleveland here. I mean, that whole franchise mismanagement, you can you could do a whole show on that. But, um, you know, he played through an injury when he could have probably sat out the year. And then he kind of gets kicked to the curb there. So uh, I still think he's got plenty left. I think um, he should be able to beat Sam Darnold relatively easily. I mean, Sam Darnold's fantasy scoring last year, I mean, he's not even relevant from a fantasy standpoint, but it came from a few fluky rushing touchdowns early on. And, And no, Baker Mayfield should win this job. And I think that's a good sign for players like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, if you're holding Terrace Marshall in a uh, dynasty format like I happen to be. Um, uh, You know, that's a good sign for them. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it in your standard 12-team redraft, you're not going to worry about Baker, but you can get him at a pretty low price if you end up in a, uh, you know, (laughs) the punt running back strategy in standard, when you talk super flex, some people will punt quarterbacks and just load up on the best skilled players later and hope the quarterbacks will come to him. Baker Mayfield might be a late-round target if you get down to there. You know, for perspective here, we just, uh, we have, uh, I think, six or five drafts uh, from this Rotowire Invitational yeah. League that we're going simultaneously, and uh, one managed to finish. No Baker Mayfield taken, of course. It's a standard 12 team, start one quarterback. But Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were taken there. And then uh, below that, you know, you're looking at uh, Cousins, Carr, Tua, Fields here. So, uh, I don't know. Baker gets into that conversation. I mean, will he outscore Deshaun Watson this year? Probably. Probably. Um, you know, just because of the suspension. But, uh, you know, then – Will he outscore Trevor Lawrence? How much is is Trevor Lawrence going to improve here? Uh, and and that becomes interesting here. So uh, no, I, I'm fine on Baker. I'm sure that he's someone. Like I said, we can probably ignore in, in 12 team redrafts. Definitely on the radar in Superflex. And I can guarantee you that more than once this year, Baker Mayfield will come up in our waiver wire nice. show as a streaming option. He's going to be somebody that uh, you can stream and maybe even uh, hold on to for a couple weeks stretches here if you know your quarterback goes down or something along those lines. I mean, there's a lot of variables with this Carolina offense uh, going on. You know, on paper, they have skilled receivers. On paper, they have the best pass catching running back in the league, arguably, and Christian McCaffrey while he's healthy. I mean, this is as good of, if not better, setup, arguably, than than with Cleveland in terms of weapons. And, uh, you know, if Baker Mayfield's healthy and can win this job as we expect him to do, he'll be an impact player at some point this year. Yeah, I want to look at the strength of schedule. That'll be updated as we get closer to the start of the season. You're right. I I I think Baker will at times make the, the podcast rounds for us on the Tuesdays mm-hmm. when we're recommending wave wire pickup. Sure. I'm not convinced the Panthers will be successful. And it's only because under Matt rule, they have been, I don't know, uh, at, at best incompetent and at worst, just like completely outright miserable. And this was whether mm-hmm. it be Cam Newton or Sam Darnold or anything else. I think the Matt rule era has been tremendously bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just crediting that to the CMC injuries and everything else. I just think the Panthers are mismanaged and, you know, we were all in on Terrace Marshall last year if he was in the right position, right? And he wasn't. They never used him in the correct mm-hmm. spot, and he struggled. Yeah, now I'm thinking of what what the heck am I going to get out of Terrace Marshall in a dynasty? Oh, sure. yeah. Obviously, I'm not gonna, ready to give up on him after year one, but I, I have legitimate concerns about, about where he's going to go moving forward. Definitely not going to cut him by any means right. in, in that type of format, you know, where you're 
rostering 20 players year after year, but uh, there, there are some current concerns for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, Chris list right in front of the Rotorio programs, I, I think put a bet down on the Panthers to outright win the division. Uh, and obviously it was a long, long odds bet. He was mm-hmm. more or less saying it's the Buccaneers are going to fall off whatever yeah. else. If there is, like, I would, I would sooner pick the Falcons to win the NFC South division than the Panthers. That's how bad I believe this Matt Rule <laughs> roster to be. Again, yep. it's Matt Rule. It's not the roster. You mentioned all those guys, those mm-hmm. pieces. I just, I'm, I'm well, not convinced that coaching staff can do anything mm-hmm. correct. Hey, I mean, to Rule's credit, he's had you know some some back and forth at quarterback. He's never really had a fully healthy McCaffrey. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens here. I think Baker's probably the best quarterback he's had since he's been there in his tenure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that reminds me, uh, I think our over under win total show last year was, uh, was one pretty of our good. pretty popular, more best. fun ones. We both, our best bets were, were, were successful. And I think for the most part, we were over 500 or, I mean, that's not we were, a, for the most part, that's a yes or no question. We and I believe we were 600, I think. Yeah. So, uh, uh hopefully, uh, I mean, Definitely, we'll bring that back as one of the last shows here towards the end of the preseason. Once we have a little more sample size and we've had a chance for you know the standard injuries that are going to happen to play out here, so we'll definitely bring that back and uh, we'll have some some interesting things to say about the Panthers. I'm sure. I thought you were going to say uh, as the Romeo Dobbs hype train continues, then we'll have <laughs> to be able to come back to this conversation. We'll we'll probably talk about the hype train players uh, in a little bit or even later mm-hmm. on in, in other episodes because obviously week one uh, preseason hype. I feel like it's at a fever pitch right now with all the guys that are supposed to look amazing as they do. Yeah. Just an anecdote on the Dobbs hype train. Uh, our Vikings fan took him in the 12th round of the road oh. invitational. Oh. So that, I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest not- I've seen him as far as that hype train goes. So, Hey, it's, this is, this is very interesting. That's going to change uh, on a lot of players. It's going to inflate and deflate on a lot of players. Uh, you know, maybe Marquez Calloway style, you know, sometimes, that's sometimes the, those hype trains really get going. And, uh, and we'll hopefully help you be able to adjust to that. Uh, the Callaway name poll is pretty good. Uh, other injuries that occurred over the past couple of days, again, not just today, but yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston had evidently rolled his ankle. And I saw the report and I'm like, okay, whatever. He rolled the ankle. But then it was like, he's getting medical attention and they're looking at this and I'm like, oh no, is is this one of those things where it was clearly more severe and yet we, we can't quite say like a wink, wink, but a negative thing? Mm-hmm. No, in fact, it's just a day-to-day injury, shockingly, right? Rolling your mm-hmm. ankle. As an and, NFL player, can, yeah. can mean that you will come back in a day or two. It's exactly. Fine. And he's also coming back from an ACL tear, though. So as he continues to, uh, you know, get a little banged up, it's worth monitoring. Mm-hmm. They actually, you know, I forget who they were rolling out after he went last year, but or uh, Taysom Hill, maybe. after. Right, it would have been Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah, I and guess so. And yeah, now Andy Dalton's around. So they actually have someone that could that is at least can be has shown they can be a 500 quarterback. But no, this isn't the kind of thing I'm worried too much about yet. Yeah, and I'm not worried about Deontay Johnson, who continues to miss time with his hip injury. The Steelers overall have been dealing with a bit of wide receiver issues. Claypool, I think, came back either yep. he last was just week or back. Like earlier back. Yet. And, you know, yeah, so uh, I, I want to point out too. with the Steelers that a lot of people, you know, we even wrote a note that said, oh, George Pickens listed as starter on the depth chart. But you have to remember that, you know, a lot of these teams with these depth charts, these when – Deontay Johnson and Claypool are out. Yes, of course, George Bacon's going to be listed as the starter on the depth chart there. Right. Uh, and again, he's someone that, um, you know, for for all intents and purposes, is a late round dart and redraft and obviously outlook changes just a little Speaking bit in Dynasty. The, the, the training camp hike, George Pickens has been getting some. I just saw a tweet that I don't think was joking comparing him to Randy Moss. We're, we're, we've gone too mm-hmm. far if we're, we're doing this thing where we're describing a player to one of the best wide receivers of all time. 
Like that. That's just that's just ridiculous. Yeah, right? yeah. It's saying that. He, well, I mean, the ESPN whole the whole the whole you got Moss thing is 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 yeah. is getting described for everybody now who just has one good play. So you know maybe we uh, exaggerate that a little bit. It, it's gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make that blunder the Pickens picket blunder for the Steelers. You know that'll be the uh, connection in like three years in Pittsburgh. But I'm I'm gonna probably interchange Pickens and Pickett like six more times on the show before the season. I'll make the joke for my co-host on the SiriusXM Friday shows Mario Puig. He'll he'll say yeah it, I'm sure Pickens will throw a trick pass to uh, Pickett as a slot wide receiver at some point. <laughs> he just keeps calling Kenny Pickett a, a really good slot receiver in three years. And at this point, the way the bad reports have been going for Kenny Pickett, I would not be yeah. surprised if we're trending in that direction. Other injury news, uh, Kenneth Gainwell having a hip injury right now. I think that's important only because there is a little bit of depth, not in years past, like when we had Jordan Howard as your RB4 for the Eagles, but Boston Scott is there and has been productive the time it's been mm-hmm. around. Uh, they also got the Oklahoma product, Kennedy Brooks, as well, who I think at least I was a little bit of a fan of coming out of college, and I thought it was an interesting landing spot. Kenneth Gamewell is a sleeper favorite for a lot of people who are looking for those backup running backs, and we all know that Miles Sanders seems allergic to the end zone. So it's one of those deals where the backup who could be successful certainly is a good pass catcher. Maybe there's some value mm-hmm. to me, especially if he's only missing – yeah. possibly missing week one preseason. Yeah. It's a non-starter. I put it on there because this gives us a good chance to talk about Kenneth Gainwell a little bit. I oh, just, yeah, you're excited about I, that. I just missed out on Gainwell in our Roto-Wire Invitational. Thank you, Jim Coventry, if you're out there, if you're listening yeah, to listening me. Right he sniped me. He sniped me right before, uh, before, and I ended up, you know, I hadn't taken a running back since round three, so I ended up with Michael Carter, who I guess maybe we'll discuss in, in just a t- in just a second here, and Ronald Jones, but definitely a downgrade from Gainwell. Now, part of me thinks that maybe that's a little self-confirmation bias because I do have Gainwell rostered in my powerhouse dynasty team as if I need uh, more sleepers to emerge and continue to dominate that league. Um, but, you know, he uh, he had some good... There's also maybe some good touchdown luck last year. He found the end zone in some times, in some games where he didn't have a lot of... Uh, when he didn't have a lot of touches necessarily, but I think he does he does have a chance to emerge to a 10, 15 touch a game guy, uh, which is, you know, kind of where he was getting at towards the end of last year under certain circumstances. And and he can, you know, he's he's a decent pass catcher. He's 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 really effective on draw plays, if I if I remember that correctly. Yeah. So um you know, with all the weapons on this Eagles team, it'll be it'll be tough to uh, spread the ball or distribute the ball and make sure someone like Gainwell gets his touches. But again, I don't know. Gainwell could just be one injury away from finishing as an RB one too. So I I just saw this pass across across my Twitter, and it was a little bit earlier in the day. But Jakeem Grant, wide receiver for the Browns, was carted off with what appeared to be a lower body injury. Mm-hmm. This is only important because they had David Bell just come off the pop list. Uh, they've been dealing with a myriad of other injuries at wide receiver. Amari Cooper has been healthy, but it's been just about nobody else, especially depending on how long that Watson suspension is. We're looking at the Browns offense as, I think, bottom mm-hmm. third, like 27th, 28th overall. And that it's if Kareem Hunt actually plays. And Kareem Hunt, of course, has now yeah. talked about his trade request, too. Like, this is a really interesting situation that I think could matter. Let's just say Hunt does get traded, which I don't think is likely. Let's play the hypothetical. There's a few landing spots where a guy that's going currently in the sixth, seventh, eighth round could be like a third or fourth round kind of landing spot if he plays three down work. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I could absolutely see that. And what interests me even more is what he potentially does to somebody like Nick Chubb. To me, that makes Nick Chubb a first round pick. If you, if you know that he's got those touches and, and we'll see you know how he holds up with the workload here. But I think skill wise, Nick Chubb can stack up with just about any of these guys here. I mean, I would put Chubb. Um, She's obviously behind Jonathan Taylor, probably behind Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Eckler. I, I, 
you know how I feel about I'm, I'm going to miss out on Christian McCaffrey this year, possibly to my detriment, but I'll, I'll put McCaffrey above them just for the sake of this argument. And then you start to get real interesting with Chubb or Najee Harris, Chubb or G- DeAndre Swift, Chubb or Joe Mixon, Chubb with no Kareem Hunt back there. Um, even on, you know, what's probably going to be a subpar team led for led by Jacoby Brissett for at least six weeks. Um, I still like what we can get out of Chubb because he can also, I mean, he has proven capable of catching passes too. Sure. He yes. just doesn't as much as he could have because Hunt's around here. So um, yeah. I, 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 I bump Chubb into the first round if, if, if Hunt were to go somewhere. And um, I guess I, while we're talking about the Browns, I did mention, you know, with all those uh, lower depth chart wide receivers and Amari Cooper at the top, we'll see what happens with David Bell during camp. I did take Donovan Peoples-Jones as Mr. Irrelevant oh, in, our, in, in, in our, in our, uh, yeah, probably a little bit, but I, I um, We'll see how we'll see how he gets used, and you know he he's someone that could be used creatively. But you know he's the last pick in the draft, so he could be cut after week one if he sees less than five targets. Is, is this our first Culver's bet where I say Anthony Schwartz is going to be the higher score over DPJ? Is that the worst Culver's? Yeah, bet of all yeah time? I'll take Donovan <laughs> Peoples Jones in that. Where's the where's Schwartz, the nail? Stick it on the board. <laughs> I think Schwartz is also hurt, so uh, you can talk to me in two weeks. Maybe if that's the yeah. Case I guess. Actually, Schwartz is one of the few without a current dis- oh, injury okay. designation on our depth charts. Maybe which are a great feature on Rotowire, by the way. That's what I used to navigate from, like, person to person that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you see them all on our depth charts, and you can see, get a nice refresher of, you know, what's around them and all that. So just a quick plug there. He has been dealing with a knee injury, Schwartz, but he is active at last Saturday's practice. So three days ago was our most recent update. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see want, what happens I there. I want nothing to do. And you had mentioned Nick Chubb as a, a RB1, or sorry, first-round guy. Mm-hmm. If Hunt were to be traded, and again, I don't think either one of us saying Kareem will be traded. In fact, I would say more than likely he will not. It just doesn't doesn't make sense for the Browns to do so. I don't know if they like. I think Chubb can catch the ball. I don't think they're going to do it though. Like I, I, that's where I'm. I'm. I think they would sooner put Dearness Johnson or um, not that Jerome mm-hmm. Ford they drafted in the fifth round this year is going to yeah. be a pass guy. I just they won't do that with Nick Chubb because they seem to be doing dumb things or are mm-hmm. specialized in one role. And if that's the case, it's like, great. You know, I don't look, people might price them up like you are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that value actually is guaranteed to be there, which is what I want yeah. in my first round. Guy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'd absolutely, you know, if Hunt were out of the picture, he, if I were at like the 12th pick overall, I would be happily taking him at the turn uh, for perspective. He went uh, 21st overall in our, in our dynasty or not in our dynasty in our, in our 12 team redraft. And uh, you know, two picks, three picks away from me. And otherwise I would have definitely been taking them at the two, three turns. There. I have my beat Joe Bartle uh, NFFC draft Sunday, which we'll be reviewing on Tuesday as well as getting prepped for the stake league draft, which is occurring next week as well, too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll be curious to see where Nick Chubb goes there. And if there's any helium with this cream hunt stuff, I would just not be comfortable taking out the 12 spot if that were the case, even if Hunt were gone. So uh, I guess the other more pertinent injury news, we did have Mekki Becton uh, su- suffer what appeared to be a knee injury and in fact was confirmed to likely be a season-ending injury. That's your left tackle for the Jets right now. And uh, there was some training camp weirdness happening already with him, but the fact that he will not be confirmed out with a knee injury for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Brown, the longtime veteran Texans and recently for the Seahawks, has been more or less rumored or confirmed to be joining the Jets. And I actually like the downgrade is substantial, but I don't know if it's going to really hamper the Vikings or Vikings, the Jets <laughs> offense enough. Where, where's your thoughts with this? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a downgrade when you go from a second year player, a number 11 overall pick who is uh, you know, going to be a big piece of this team. But um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to take on the disdain of Jets fans right now and say that maybe they're just a little bit 
overhyped here because uh, there's, there's a lot going on. You look at, again, you look at all the pieces on paper. Dang, this looks like a great team here. But, uh, you know, as great as Zach Wilson's MILF game might be, we don't, we haven't really seen him. Um, do much as a quarterback there's been a couple little flashes he's had some games but uh are we really ready to put all our eggs in the basket as him being a winning quarterback and maybe if he's not maybe if Flacco wins the job temporarily which is unlikely but you know it, it could happen I could see I, it wouldn't shock me if Wilson were benched for Flacco at some point or another during the season just to get it together um so anyway the team I think is overhyped in general I do still like me some Elijah Moore though so I'm going to contradict myself a little bit but how where is it coming from that we're guaranteeing this Bryce Hall workload? Where is it coming from that Bryce or that Brees Hall is uh is he sitting there? You know, if you look at his ADP since July 1st, he's 39 overall, um RB18. So where where is this workload coming from that we think that he's gonna be worthy of a fourth round pick? Because that's pretty much the price that you have to pay to get him at this point. Now, I'm not saying Michael Carter or Tevin Coleman cut into this a bunch, but I did draft Michael Carter. Uh, down in like the ninth, tenth round, just in case. And uh, you know, we see overhyped rookie running backs quite a bit. And I know, you know, they want to take them and run them out while they're on their rookie deal. But uh, I just, I, maybe you can help me with this, Joe. I just, I'm not sure where it's coming from. You know, I actually, I, I don't, I don't mind what your end result is, but I think the process that you're going with is is far <laughs> different than mine. So in one, in one way, yes, I think the Jets' offense might be overhyped. I'm, I'm kind of more leaning towards the. Even if Zach Wilson is like a little below average, like a Ryan Tannehill kind of guy, they have way too many weapons to fail. And I don't believe this Mackie Becton injury is going to really impact the offense enough where mm-hmm. you're you're really concerned about what Zach Wilson does. Again, if Zach Wilson is below average, let's just say he's average. Now, now we're talking about efficiency offense. The defense is pretty good. I think Robert Sala, maybe I'm wrong, is actually a pretty good coach, especially defensively, which will only help things more. If there is going to be lost work for Brees Hall and he is not able to achieve his third, fourth round ADP, I actually have been seeing him in the third round, so fourth round would be a steal in my opinion. Uh, let's just say third round ADP. It's not because uh, Michael Carter or Tevin, Tevin, Tevin Coleman are cutting into the work. It's because guys like Corey Davis or Braxton Berrios or the 36 tight ends, they only have two, but like uh, <laughs> Uzama and Tyler Conklin, like these are all guys, and I don't think any of them are good. They are just guys, but that's four different guys that I just talked about that are going to be possibly into the fact we're all upset, uh, all up in arms about Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, and rightfully so, at least in the case of Moore. But I think we're not, we're ignoring the rest of the people that can get involved. The Jets can realistically go four or five wide receivers deep. That's not even including Denzel Mims, who thinks he should be the wide receiver one for the Jets. He's wrong, <laughs> but he thinks that's the case. So I, I Don't think you have to if you're a professional, right? You got to at least make yourself be realistic. It. Like that's not, you're not losing your competitive edge by saying, actually, no, I've sucked the past two years and, mm-hmm. and he blended on injury and like, okay, whatever, I was fine. I, I, I'm not there. I'm not in his brain. I can't do that. But I'm, I'm just saying if the workload that happens for Hall that accounts for him to miss the AP, it's either injury, which we all can't predict, mm-hmm. or – Barrios and the tight ends and Michael Carter getting a few catches here and there that all nibbles away that instead of a 230 carry guy, Brees Hall is more like a 200 carry guy. I'll just say, I feel comfortable drafting Hall in the third round. I would rather have ETN ahead of him. Sure. I would rather have uh, Dobbins. I mean, I'm, I, I can get Dobbins two rounds mm-hmm. later. But would I'd you rather have Ezekiel him. Elliott ahead of him? I would take Brees Hall for the upside. And I will fully yeah, see. No, I'm taking Zeke on that one. I will fully admit that I am falling into the rookie trap bias. And I think 
you have incorrectly fallen into that same bias with a different rookie running back that we'll probably talk a little bit later in the mm-hmm. show. There is only one good rookie running back from this class. I'm telling you right now, Jake, there's only one. And it's not James Cook. It's not Kenneth Walker. I think it's Brees Hall. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I guess we'll see how that works out, uh, you know, in, in due time. I had mentioned J.K. Dobbins just real quick. He did return off the pup list. Mm-hmm. Unlike what uh, Ian Rappaport seemed to suggest only a couple weeks ago and Alan Soslowski was trying to make the uh, – uh, the walls fall down in Vegas when he was trying to convince me not to take Dobbins. It worked. I hate that he got me off my stance of taking. <laughs> so Dobbins what did he the- take Dobbins right afterwards? No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he didn't take Dobbins either, but uh, he got me just shaken enough where I didn't stick to my morals and I've been taking mm-hmm. Dobbins everywhere. Dobbins is back uh, officially practicing. I'm not sure if you saw the videos, the training camp videos over the past couple of weeks where he's catching passes. Let's just say I don't feel like he looks completely healthy, even if he's officially back off the yeah. top list. I would anticipate he doesn't play at all during the preseason, and and that makes me a little nervous. I'm still committed fully to Dobbins. I think he is a tremendous talent and is in one of the best situations that you can be from a running back perspective. Mm-hmm. But I would understand if people want to fade away from him. Yeah, yeah. So here's how I view this kind of uh, pathway for Dobbins. People are going to overpay for him this year. He'll be a little bit underperformed coming off the the ACL injury. He'll still perform enough to hang around and maybe sixth, seventh round of the ADP next year, and that's when I'm going to snatch him up, give him a full year removed from the ACL surgery, and then we'll see what happens. But the same things with the Baltimore Ravens backfield. Uh, they, you know, they apply to Dobbins as well here. You know, how much work are guys like Mike, Mike Davis and Gus Edwards going to get? Guys that shouldn't get work, but you know they will get work. Um, just because of how this offense is set up. And, of course, how much is, uh, you know, a sleeper MVP candidate. Everyone seems to forget about Lamar Jackson. How much is the quarterback going to vulture off the running backs in this offense? So those are both legitimate questions that have always been the case with the Ravens. I see no different this year. Um, You know, Dobbins is, what did I write down for his ADP here? RB21, uh, 56 overall. So just a little bit, you know, a couple spots below Brees Hall in that situation. And uh, you you really – you know, it goes back to our draft strategy pod about the importance of coming away from those first two rounds with at least one back. Yeah. Because even when you get up into the, you know, late third, fourth and fifth round, all of these guys have question marks. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, like you can have your pet favorites. I love Elijah Mitchell. Others might find Josh Jacobs fine in round six or even mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson, who I've seen go to round seven now a couple of times. You can find your RB2 and, and convince yourself this person is good, but that's where. I would never want them to be my RB1. And that, that that's kind of how – and again, we outlined that too uh, in past podcasts. We're going to be reviewing a couple of strategies, uh, both from an auction perspective and Jake did a, finished a redraft league uh, only a couple hours ago actually uh, and, and talk about all those strategies after a word from our sponsors here. So stick around. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals – Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour-plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. 
Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, so we're back, obviously, uh, talking a bit of the strategy recap from the past couple of shows. Last week, we discussed an auction format stuff and, and, and different plays that you want to do there. Um, but the week before that, we actually did go into detail about redraft. I specifically said I want to pick four because I'm hoping to get Justin Jefferson at pick four and then get whatever best running back happens. With this Matthew Stafford news and, and his weird throwing shoulder, that's out the door now. Like I think Jefferson goes top three just about every time ahead of Cup. So I'm going to change my answer if everyone's listening from two weeks now. Mm-hmm. I want to have the number three pick. Whatever I can get Justin Jefferson latest, that is that is my goal at this moment. Yeah. So, and my answer still stays the same. If you have any chance to choose, you take the number one pick. You take Jonathan Taylor and you get the best shot at the best players for the next couple of rounds here. And I guess, well, you know, why don't we just uh, throw this into this dilemma? I threw it to a poll on Twitter, so yeah. go let your voice be heard for me, at uh, Roto Jake. But, you know, we were discussing uh, in our draft strategy show about just general quarterback, um, you know, when to take a quarterback. And we both kind of agree that the first three rounds, no matter who the quarterback is, whoever you're taking is a reach there. But then, you know, you get to that top tier of guys, um, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. If they start slipping into the fourth or fifth round, then you know, then we can bend a little bit, and maybe it's going to be okay to, um, who, you know, to compromise there. That? Yep, yep, yeah. That no, that was you. I'll, I'll give you that. And um, and you know, normally I just, I guess maybe I was skeptical because I never found myself in that situation right. before. In most, you know, non-industry, non-expert leagues, usually you're going to have people reaching for quarterbacks a little bit. That's just the nature of the game, and I'm fine to do it. I don't think I've ever taken a guy in, uh, uh you know, the. QB uh, top QB 15 in my hometown friends and family league because people are taking second quarterbacks before I'm worried about my first but in any case 
I took first overall in the Rotowire Invitational. It's a 72 team deal split into uh, split into uh, six different leagues here. Twelve and, teams, right? Like twelve. Yeah. Like that's that's more or less what yeah, the, the listener yeah. needs to know is that this it's is a, a twelve team league. Team yeah, league. exactly. This is just an overall prize, Not right? It's like it's it's like it's like the fishbowl light light only for only RotoWire people, I guess. But in any case, so you know, I took Jonathan Taylor first. You can see the results I tweeted, and I guess you can see which direction I went. But we'll get to that in a second. Coming back, I really didn't love my options at the turn, but I figured I'd start the tight end run maybe a little bit. And I take I took Mark Andrews and I took Ezekiel Elliott because I can live with Ezekiel Elliott in the third round though i have my concerns third round we'll get it so coming back here at the four five turn the last pick of the fourth fourth round the first pick of the fifth round it was late thursday night i had just gotten back from the windy city smokeout in chicago where zach bryan absolutely murdered it um you know turnpike troubadours were awesome willie nelson for the little bit we saw was great too um side note but so i'm getting back you know i'm a, I'm a little, little tuned up i find out i'm on the clock for two picks here and i'm looking i'm kind of uh seeing my options and i find that quarterbacks pat mahomes and justin herbert are both on the board not only are both of those quarterbacks on the board uh they a top receiver of each of them are on the board mm. so i had the opportunity taking two players it was between taking Mahomes and Juju Smith-Schuster or taking Justin Herbert and Mike Williams. And, man, did I sit and agonize over this one a little bit. That's because you and didn't drink it too much. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. And, I hey, listen, I just went around the corner to ask our tech guys, and the, the first two people that answer immediately gave me a different answer here. No, seriously. Yeah, oh, okay. it's more of a dilemma th- than I am thinking here. Um, but – uh, I ended up going Mahomes and Juju Smith-Schuster. I, um, you know, I find Mahomes and Herbert to be maybe a little bit of a wash. Actually, speaking of Justin Herbert, uh, can we see it on the cover yes. boy right here? Yeah, uh, rotowire.com slash magazine. You can get our uh, magazine with Justin Herbert on the cover. If you're a subscriber, you get a couple dollar discount here. So definitely order that up. Um, I love Herbert. He helped, uh, you know, he helped make me very competitive in a fantasy league in one of my fantasy leagues that would have been otherwise just an absolute disaster last year. And, um, you know, he, he actually almost made me uh, think about keeping a quarterback in a two-keeper league. But uh, but uh, I, I'm going to go in another direction. Maybe we can get to that a little bit. Um, but looking at the quarterback stacked up, it was almost a wash, maybe a slight edge towards Herbert. And I put Juju Smith-Schuster, at least the upside, the ceiling, above uh, above Mike Williams far enough to go ahead and pick the Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster stack here. Did I make the right call, Joe? No. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm the uh, Herbert and Mike Williams truth. And obviously, I covered the Chargers for RotoWire, so I feel so we got a little bias there, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, they have put me through some really dark times, uh, having to pretend like I care about the crappy team, especially when their special teams is so bad. So I would say I dislike them as much as I like them. But right now, where the Chargers are at, I think I, I get concerned. They're we're drafting Mahomes like he's guaranteed to have this electric offense they did with Tyreek Hill and. Uh, really, mm-hmm. I guess just Tyree Kill, but like n- the NFL kind of seemed to figure out Mahomes at times last year, and now we're taking away his best weapon and replacing him with what MVS. And you and I both know that's that's not as great mm-hmm. as some people might make it seem. Whereas there is still very much a ceiling that I don't think Herbert has quite hit yet. The Chargers have went all in. I mean, just about all in from a competitive standpoint. That defense is significantly better, and they're depending on Herbert to be to be as good of a quarterback as he was last year, I think the offensive line improvements, especially drafting Zion mm-hmm. Johnson in the, thir- uh, in the first round, 
that that's that's going to be important to me. I think the ceiling is still there for Herbert, and we know he is a tremendous fantasy player. Hmm. He still runs a little bit too. Mike, the the one concern, you know, like if you just say which QB do you want more, I'm taking Herbert every time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But when you put them together, Mike Williams has a very very long injury history. Like it's it's not absurd for me to say, hey, I don't feel confident Mike Williams staying 17 games. Neither do I. I like I, mm-hmm. I have zero I have zero reservations that that's going to happen for sure. But if you said that was the case, Williams and Herbert play the entire year, it's it's easily I think the two outscore. The Juju mm-hmm. Smith-Schuster and Patrick Mahomes combo. Yeah, well, if, I mean, if there's any validation to my decision, there were two quarterback list teams that passed on Herbert before Herbert went off the board in the fourth pick of the fifth round. And then Mike Williams didn't go off the board until the second to last pick of the fifth round. So receivers like uh, Brandon Cooks and Monra St. Brown both went ahead of Mike Williams here. So, I mean, that gave, that that spurs a whole other discussion. But anyway, go ahead, vote. Tell us what you think. Uh, drop a comment. Tell us what you think. You can find my poll at Roto Jake. I really want to see where the, uh, you know, where the uh, consensus is on that, because, you know, some people seem really, really sure about it, but everybody that I've asked has been very, very split. And I, I guess, you know, a part of me to some degree thought maybe uh, again, this could be very flawed logic. You know, we'll see, let me know uh, on Twitter in the comments, but I thought a part of me seemed that the Herbert and that whole offense is built a lot on hype. Whereas the Mahomes, he's done it relatively consistency consistently minus his injury seasons um you know he, Mahomes is uh it was more it was a little bit of a floor thing but I I do agree the floor thing we would go to Williams over Juju because you don't know what you're going to get out of Juju but again you know you got a guy who it's his it's going to be a sixth year in the league yeah he's coming off of injury he's only 25 years old he should be able to bounce back he's on a one-year contract which is uh, probably what does it the most for me. You know, a guy, uh, if you can't motivate yourself on a one-year contract at 25 to possibly get the biggest payday of your life and career, then uh, then maybe there's something else going on. But anyway, that's where I landed. I hope this discussion was uh, was interesting and productive because it's a good spot to be in, right? You're, you're first overall at the 4-5 turn, and you get to pick one of those two stacks. I mean, that that to me is uh, is pretty brilliant. And uh, I think either way would have been uh, an excellent use of those picks. This wasn't in our show breakdown two weeks ago when dis- discussing good and bad redraft strategies. But I can tell you for certain, uh, sleeping through your pick and forgetting it happened is definitely not a good strategy. So in that invitational, again, it's across 75 different teams. We're broken across 12 team leagues. Uh, I'm in a different one. I had Josh Allen uh, sub to me in the second round. Like I was Ooh. back into the second round. Not happy about that. Um, mm. I guess the only yeah that kind of ruins a draft when your second rounders you get stuck with well, the quarterback. It's fine because you know like he's going to produce, and I do think he's QB one this year. Ironically, Mahomes was taking pick eleven overall in that league, so mm-hmm. I didn't technically take the yeah. highest quarterback QB. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Th- these are interesting because uh, for perspective, so you ended up with Josh Allen in the second round in my league. He was the third pick of the fourth round. Yeah. You know, there, there's some, there's some sharp people in this league. There are very few things that there are very few things that I got away with, quote unquote, except somehow I took Hunter Renfro, who I didn't love, like 40 spots below his ADP. They basically forced me to take Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Other other than me just forgetting that pick was up, I have more or less followed the strategy that we had discussed two weeks ago. I did take a run. I did take Justin Jefferson at, at three. I was very happy about that. Mm-hmm. I got Elijah Mitchell's my RB2. We talked about that as well, too. And I've loaded up on wide receivers. Um, as much as you can in that like seven through nine range, you know, I love Drake London, Alan Lazard, Christian Kirk, 
I swear people in that league were listening to what we were talking about because every one of them was taken within that round and it was mm-hmm. all in the seventh round above their ADP. That's fine. I think they're going to be more than fantastic in those spots and it was not a bad value, but you have to kind of pivot a little bit. So I got Robert Woods and a few of those other guys. We have not completed that draft yet. That will be reviewed. At least uh, my draft will be reviewed um, next show along with the other draft prep we have going on. Uh, gearing you up for that season. We had mentioned auction strategy last week, mm-hmm. and I actually did complete an auction draft. Uh, this was basically a friends and family auction draft that I was really interested in doing. Now, we played on the platform AutoNew, O-T-T-O-N-E-U. AutoNew has been a partner for us in the past. This is not a sponsored segment by any means. I love the format, and I'll tell you right now, if there is one league in which I could choose to play in, is this format it incorporates the auction part, but also a Devi aspect and a little bit of keeper because you can't actually keep these guys. Man, they uh, got to cut us a check. They're never going to get an ad me. read more beautiful than at, that. At least me. <laughs> I, I I swear by this format again. I O T T O N U Auto New uh, is one of my. So I got a bunch of friends to go ahead and participate. Mm-hmm. It took two days to complete the draft. We, mm. we did like eight. Is hours it a slow auction? Time. It is a slow auction. Yes. Yeah, slow auctions are a totally interesting thing, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I and I love them. You know, fu- funny enough, uh, my first slow auction was for. Uh, an MMA league that oh, we did that nice. went by DraftKings nice. scoring over the calendar year. And um, and holy cow, I didn't even understand the concept of a slow auction, but basically someone's nominated and then everybody has like eight hours to upbid or probably less in this case. Yeah, we went by 30 seconds. And every, yeah, and every time, oh, you went by 30 seconds? Then it's not really a slow auction. You have to, we, it was a 20, 20 team or 20 player like roster for 12 teams. So you're talking about like 300 mm-hmm. plus players that have to get auctioned out over the course yeah. of 30 seconds. Yeah, our, yeah, ours took a couple weeks. It was, uh, you know, you there's like four hours on the clock, and every time someone makes a bid, uh, the clock resets to like one or two hours, mm-hmm. right? So it gives basically sure, everyone yeah. a chance to look at it, and then it stops at night and whatnot. And and the other thing is, is you can have, you it, it's not just one player at a time. You can have multiple going, seven, eight guys on the block yeah. at the same time. So basically, before you go to bed, just check if anyone's bid too low. You can bid your current bid and what your max bid is, and then to make sure you don't miss out anyone. And uh, anyway, slow auctions, totally different thing, a sidetrack thing. Well, but just, uh, but it's an interesting concept to see how this is done in fantasy football because we obviously preached so much last week that auctions are the superior format yes. by a mile. And I and I, I really do, and I love what AutoNew did, O-T-T-O-N-E-U. Um, I, we had talked about, hey, okay, so there's – the top end guys are going to go really high and nominate them right away if you don't really want them or just be mm-hmm. prepared budget wise. And Jake, I, I swear I, there's no inebriation here or anything like that. Like I had every plans of following my budget. I got Justin Jefferson for $69. Felt great about that because we had a bunch of guys go really high. And then you look across the board and some of the values at water receiver, you're like, oh my God, I should have just waited. Mm-hmm. Um, and and truthfully, I think the first day, again, is across two days. The end of the first day, there's a lot of mitigating factors that a that made some of the auction values happen. We had mm-hmm. two guys fall asleep during the draft. Another one did the dishes for an hour. I have no idea where, why he was not absent. But that is a key point that we never talked about last mm-hmm. week. If you are doing an auction draft, you have to have everyone present because it's <laughs> it, it's depend the economy of the league is dependent on everyone doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Even if they're doing something stupid, at least you can counter that or react or whatever else. So nine people drafting in an auction league that carries on. There were some wild values, but I thought overall the idea of uh, going and getting your guys in the middle rounds, right? We were kind of saying middle-ish area. That's where that first value of the top tier happens. And then being smart and productive with what your later ground guys 
ended up being good. There was there was a bunch of values. Again, AutoNew does like Debbie stuff. So there's college people mixed into this. Yeah, I, I see Tank Bigsby on your list. Tank, yeah. I always try to get at least one uh, college guy and, and Tank Bigsby was the one. This is also a super flex league. And, and I'll be honest, you look at the QBs I have currently. It's just Matt Ryan, Davis Mills, and Kenny Pickett. Oh, that's yeah, about that's as uh, puke worthy as you could possibly get. Well, I was going to say this, you know, looking from top to bottom of your roster, Jefferson, Aaron Jones, ETN, Metcalf, Leonard Fournette, Keenan Allen, like, dang. It's a good you team. had a pretty dang good draft, but then, but then you remind me that it's a super flex yes. in the number of leagues, and maybe you botched this one a little bit. But uh, who knows? Maybe quarterbacks will evolve and, and emerge as uh, as the season goes on. You know, you you look back at she's uh, I hate to use the Sean Watson as an example, but his rookie season, he wasn't being drafted. Turned out to be an absolute stud league winning type of pickup for people that punted quarterbacks you know maybe you'll find uh or you know Mahomes second season is probably a better example of that where you know it's going around QB 12 15 maybe you find something like that it's a little tougher in Superflex, but I do wish you the best of luck with that I'll just say you know at this point he's a friend of the show because we've mentioned him twice now but Harry our, our stake league two-time winner from last episode uh I did have him in this league as well too and he stuck to that strategy of really having a budget and maintaining it and going and getting mm-hmm. the values Cooper Cup Ended up being a $61 player at 69. I liked his roster overall. Um, so at this point, I, I, I'm just pumping Harry's stuff. Like he should mm-hmm. just be our auction uh, auction mm-hmm. dude every single time. But Yeah, so right on. Yeah, the, I mean, the, smart the, dude. The inflation. I was going to say, if you just kick that wall, he'll probably hear you and come in here. <laughs> the um, inflation part of this is going to be yeah, interesting now. <laughs> See, I was about to try to transition to that. and You, you beat me to it. No, so, so great. So we had talked about inflation last week. Never really mm-hmm. got a chance to get to it. You've been in the keeper league and auction league formats where this continues on yep. for multiple years now. This is a startup league, so the inflation part isn't real for me. But you and I are both aware of that mm-hmm. concept. So I'll just, well, like, go ahead and discuss. Inf- it inflation can be real for you because, as a concept, um, inflation changes values of of players that are being drafted sure. as your auction is uh, or your, your salary cap draft, we're supposed to say, is uh, is moving along. So, you know, you have a set of projected values based on your projections, right? And if, um, if a lot of players, which you'll see often uh, at the top tier of drafts, if a lot of players, for example, are going for... above the projected value based on your algorithm, what's going to happen is there's going to be less money left for the same amount of available players. So players, the prices of the middle tier and lower tiers, they actually all go down because there's, you know, you're set with a salary cap, right? So those prices go down and it's kind of like you were talking about if, you know, if Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, uh, Christian McCaffrey all end up going off the board for $70, $75 in a $200 budget, guess what? You're going to get some pretty dang good receivers in the $15 range. And um, it can work. And, you know, this is mostly in redraft and uh, it can work in um, reverse effect too. If everybody, when you're nominating Jonathan Taylor, Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson, those types of guys, if everybody is really conservative with their budgets and is paying, you know, 58, 55, 53, suddenly all of these players are going below their projected dollar amount. So what's happening is uh, the rest of the players is going up because there's more money available for the same pool of available players. So, um, you know, if you're if you're really crafty, you can maybe construct this in a spreadsheet. But this is one of the best uh, plugs I can make for the RotoWire uh, Fantasy Football Draft Kit software, the downloadable software. We also have a web-based version. But uh, there's an option in auctions where you can click the Use Inflation button and update the dollar values. So after every couple of picks go off, the dollar values will adjust based on 
um, you know, who's off the board and who's still there and what their projected uh, and what their projected stats are. So hopefully I did an okay job covering that. And that's just inflation in redraft mm-hmm. leagues, which, you know, which you mentioned, uh, it definitely applies. Um, maybe more so in baseball sometimes when you're looking sure. at the last of the tier and there's so many more different positions. But but in football as well, you can kind of tell, like, do I get into a bidding war to buy $65 Joe Mixon or do I spread that money around, you know, four $20 receivers that are all going to be second or third round picks that is out of the reach of everybody else's budget because they spent too much. So it's a careful dance. It's a careful balance that you have to do in your standard redraft leagues. Now, the title of this show is, is Keeper League Strategy. So we promised we're going to get to some of that eventually. And that is one of the most important things, especially in the second year of a Keeper League salary cap slash auction format, uh, whatever you want to call that, because people that are not familiar with inflation they will get absolutely burned because what happens in uh, you know in, in a lot of standard snake draft keeper leagues you get to keep two players for example you have to forfeit your pick in the round you picked that player last year in auctions how do you decide that what most leagues do is they will take the amount of money you paid for that player at auction last year and take that off of your budget this year some leagues uh, with free agent pickups they'll either make those zero dollar pickups or they'll make them the amount in, in fab that you bid on that player so it's uh so it's interesting either way so um Inflation happens to a whole new giant degree in keeper leagues because basically everybody that is being kept is being kept because they were got they were had at some kind of value. Mm-hmm. So for example, I think I only paid eight dollars for dollars for T. Higgins last year. You know, just uh back of the napkins math here says T. Higgins is uh you know almost a thirty dollar player. Uh, so, you know, there's obviously value there. I paid $6 for James Conner last year. Oh, look, at we have James Conner at $34 this year. Yep. So, um, you know, you get guys like that. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to not cut bait with Conner after a couple of weeks. But you get guys like that who create a ton of value. And those are your keepers. And, you know, maybe not to that extreme extent, but every single manager in your league is doing something similar. And they are um, they're taking players for much less money than – than, than what they're projected at. So what happens is inflation, right? right? So what happens is inflation is everybody has a ton of extra money. There's a whole bunch more available money for the same, for actually a shrunken pool of available talent. So what happens across the board is someone like Jonathan Taylor, who we could have at $60, $70, is inflation adjusted price is 80 to $85 because everybody is getting that kind of value. And everybody might calculate this in a different way. Obviously, I love the software. It does the calculation for me here. But it's a great way to sneak up in a keeper league because, you know, everybody say, say in your first year, this is what happened in one of mine in the first year, everybody was really nervous about blowing all their budget and um, and uh, wanted to be conservative in the auction. And they realized that people that went nuts early, uh, they missed out on values late. So the second year, everyone else was conservative when they shouldn't have been right. When you actually have to go over, you go and download a standard set of auction values off of any website, you know, Rotowire, whatever your choice is. And um, those are going to be all way too low because they're not inflation adjusted for your particular league. So I ended up getting, you know, the equivalent of like four first round picks. I, I blew all my budget on my starting lineup, but so what you should probably sure. be spending 90, 95% of your budget on your starting lineup anyway. So I ended up, you know, like with $1 David Johnson, who was one of my keepers. And then it, it's tough from the era, but I ended up having just a, a, a full roster full of first, second, maybe a couple third round picks mixed in there. 
and I dominated. I won the league last year, and everybody learned a valuable lesson on inflation is, is basically what happens, and now nobody makes that same mistake again. Everybody's calculating. They have their own way of calculating to adjust dollar values, and uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe your friends will be sharper. Maybe your league mate, mates will have that figured out ahead of time, but it's definitely something you need to know, and uh, inflation is one of the biggest topics that I would say get a good understanding of uh, when you're going into any auction or salary cap draft, really, but especially if there are keepers involved because it changes the whole game, and I believe that is the end of my rant. No, look at you, Jake, the teacher. Who would have, who would have guessed? Like that's that, You could just put that as like a, the bio. When he, mm-hmm. when he, it's Jake, but it's Jake the teacher now. But yeah. the inflation part of it. Yeah, you're right. And like I I, I do ask an expert features for RotoWire, and you know, as a person that works in the fantasy sports industry, and I'm sure you get the same thing. Mm-hmm. You get questions all the time. Hey, should I pick up this player or whatever else? Undefinitively, the number one comment I always get in like and questions I get are keeper questions. Like mm-hmm. I will always have somebody sending me a key. It's like once a day now at this point as we've gotten closer. Mm-hmm. Keeper formats, while I don't know if people realize how popular they are, are by far the hardest, I think, from a decision-making perspective, mm-hmm. especially if you incorporate the auction part, because there is that inflation aspect. So being aware of it, being yep. mindful, and kind of thinking out, again, the RotoWire software mm-hmm. is great in that sense because it takes a little bit of the guesswork out, but you also have to have your tiers and incorporate exactly. everything we've talked about the last two weeks into that same mm-hmm. type of process. Yeah, and you have to use, I mean, even if it's not an auction, you have to use some kind of uh, ADP or, or regular, obviously, value-based rankings are superior, but you need to find out your value, uh, you know, the pick that you're forfeiting, where you are in your draft, the pick that you're forfeiting, how many, you know, do you think I can snag that same player for yeah. for a little bit earlier in the draft and, and not have to worry about them? So you always compare, you know, with auctions, it's, it's uh, you know, it's pretty straightforward. There's a price tag by every player. You can calculate a literal dollar value uh you know for what it's costing you to keep each player and you know what how much below cost you're getting to keep them and um you know you do the same thing in a snake draft and so you first have to calculate that value figure out your formula for there then you see you know then you're when you're picking out your keepers you see the difference and that's a good starting point but you also have to think about positional scarcity too and that brings me to uh, a discussion about you know um I was going to say, Julia, Julia literally asked the question, what position, what position group dominates your keepers over the last three, three or four years or so? Mm-hmm. so it's like, basically anything that you can put in the flex position. There you go. Yeah, for the most part here, because uh, I mean, I think I had I had Justin Herbert in that same Higgins uh in that same Higgins and and Connor league for around like eight to ten dollars or something. It may mm. maybe it was a little more, but um, you know, we priced Justin Herbert out at twenty five dollars. That's fine. Um even if we priced Justin Herbert out at thirty six dollars, and the and the separation, the dollar values gained was the same as, as those other players, I would probably end up tossing Herbert back. One because I've already built enough equi- equity to my current keepers that I could still buy Herbert at a similar price if I wanted to. Or two, you know, I'm just spending most of my money on, you know, for, let's say for example, I take Connor and Higgins. I want to buy a first-round running back. I want to buy a first-round wide receiver here. And once I do that, I want to see if Kelsey's still on the board and if I can get him. Once I've done that, I've pretty much limited, well, one, my bench, but two, my available lot of dollars for quarterbacks. So, you know what? And I'm okay with that if I end up with, you know, Higgins, Connor, you know, just just the spitball names. If I end up with, like, Higgins, Connor, uh, Chase, and Joe Mixon. Beautiful, you know? Right. Yeah, and you know there, there's different ways you can do keeper formats. Again, I would recommend incorporating the auction value for. It, but let's just say that becomes too hard. I am in a friends and family league where it's more or less no, we we can't actually budget. I don't feel good about doing that, so we've stuck to the keeper format. And if I was if I was to recommend one kind of keeper format, it would be the one where 
hey, if you draft, uh, let's just say Kenny Pickett in round 17 and he ends up actually being good again, doesn't seem likely, but let's just pretend like he does. Mm -hmm. You get him for it accelerates up every two years or three years. Mm -hmm. I like those kind of key performance because there is still a point where some of these star guys could cycle through mm -hmm. or there's more decisions being made. Yep. And I had mentioned literally everyone asked yeah. me questions like keeper. We literally had somebody with no direction whatsoever. They just said, pick two, Delvin Cook, Nasha Harris, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. This is, this is what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like the, the keeper league conversation and questions that come from keeper leagues are constant <laughs> and, uh, Always unique, I think, in the sense. Of Please, whatever sir. Your league is. In your four-team league, keep the two running backs. That that would be my advice as well, too. I'm taking the, the Najee Harris Delvin Cook combo. Uh, maybe Diggs over Najee Harris. Maybe. No, I take both the backs. For, for me, it's just easier to replace receivers with somebody serviceable than backs. So I'll, I'll share up the backs the best I can. Uh, I, I only bring this up, Jake, because we're rounding the end of the show. But you had taken Michael Carter. And we talked a little bit about the Jets at the beginning of the show. You had taken Michael Carter in your league. Somebody else was kind of recommending or asking the same sort of question. Mm -hmm. Would they rather have Michael Carter or Melvin Gordon? So can you confirm to this user, yes, in fact, Michael Carter is the, the next greatest thing since sliced bread? Ooh, see, now again, I'm my Michael Carter choice wasn't because I love Michael Carter. I think he's the greatest ever. It was more <laughs> because they're going to get closer to a split than people are letting on and Brees Hall is overhyped. The Denver thing gets very, very interesting because they're coming out in camp already and they're saying that it might be a 55-45 split. And um, Melvin Gordon has definitely been on my draft radar. Oh boy, this is uh this is a this is a very, very tough dilemma. I'm gonna have to this uh is a standard league mm -hmm. 14 teams for the uh, listeners out there, not the watchers of the video, the listeners, and this is standard. So Michael Carter yeah. where theoretically would have more value. I, I'm I, gonna trust the ADP in this one and actually grab uh and actually grab Melvin Gordon. I, He's going uh you know, Gordon's RB 38 and Carter's RB 45 and the carry share might actually be similar between the two. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gordon or Michael Carter getting 45. And I know that's going to upset some Brees Hall lovers out there. You know, I could see the carry share being uh, being very similar, but Denver just has the better offense. So that becomes the tiebreaker to me. And it makes me understand, you know, wh why the ADP is the way that it is. I think I would take Michael Carter even in the standard league only because this is keeper. So theoretically, we're unaware of what this person's setting is, but theoretically, there's the opportunity to keep Michael Carter in the future. I don't know a scenario. Oh, you know what? I totally overlooked that aspect of it. That could even it out quite a bit. Whereas I think Melvin Gordon, this is it. This is the last mm -hmm. year, and it would have to be a really great situation for him mm -hmm. to retain any fancy value. So that that is kind of the, the, yeah. the needle. But, but you could make the same case where like Brees Hall maybe takes another step and suddenly gets a 75% of that workload again. Right. I'm yeah. not sure I see that. And again, you're talking about the Jets. So, you know, we can't forget that. So that's a very interesting, that's a great question by whoever put that up. The the title of the podcast right, was, was discussing some of these keeper and mm -hmm. dynasty related stuff. And I think the strategies we've developed over the last three weeks, or at least discussed, mm -hmm. can impact a lot of different phases. You had, you have been touting yourself as the champion of the dynasty league, right? And uh, mm -hmm. getting James Or just, Cook. you know, you could go ahead and have a really good draft, right? And then, then the strategy stuff goes out the window. So that's, that's the difference of the keeper leagues as opposed to the dynasty mm -hmm. leagues. I love dynasty content and I love mm -hmm. playing in dynasty leagues overall, but Jake has to make zero yeah. decisions when he Can has we, Jonathan Taylor and exactly. So, and, and one more thing that led me to that draft is, uh, you know, I don't want to, we don't, again, we're kind of closing up on the end here, but you kind of, in a dynasty format, you have to decide if you're going to be the guy that is going all in to win, or if you're going to just stack up your team with young players waiting for the future. And 
to me, I went into that first year dynasty thinking, man, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of solid, reliable staff members on here, but you never really know how long any of these dynasty leagues are going to stick together. Oh, sure. So I'm going to go ahead and try to win it right away. Now, I got the opportunity to take Jonathan Taylor at the back at, you know, at this. I think I had the 12th pick out of 14, uh, 14 teams. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and try to win this this year. Um, and this I thought before you even got drafted by the Colts, mind you. Yes. Yeah. This is before even. So, so I ended That's up taking crazy. I took Derrick Henry 12 out of 14 is full PPR. And people thought all oh, the workload was going to catch up and all that stuff. And who knows? Maybe it will this year. We'll wait and see. And I got um, and I got Taylor coming back. But then. I took Diggs and Keenan Allen with my next two picks, you know, with the thought process being, uh, you know, Keenan Allen was pretty much, uh, you know, he had a new quarterback possibly, or actually, did we even know that then? I get stuff to take my mind back there. Keenan Allen was, um, you know, people didn't take him because of uh, the dynasty factor, right? They're like, Oh, in their head, that name's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Diggs, it was his first year with the bills. Right. And um, so you kind of have to make that decision. If you're, if you know ahead of time, I mean, that's the appeal of dynasty leagues, right? Everyone sees their famous, their, their favorite team's GM and thinks they could do a better job. You know, common, this actually puts you in the seat and you have to decide if you're going to be a buyer or a seller. And if you make the wrong move to be a buyer, you could paralyze, just absolutely cripple yourself for the next, uh, for the next several seasons here. Or if you make a couple right moves you can go and uh you know i've not been one to uh trade try to get youth i've always taken my one first round pick and then uh like like for example after taking james cook in the first round i ended up taking like john U. smith and curtis samuel and and just skip rookies i was like none of these guys are going to help me this year anyway i'm going to take guys that at least have a shot to help me so making that decision you know, you can't have one foot on both sides of the fence here. You have to decide if you're going to try to go for it. You think you can win. This is your time to win. Or uh, if, you know, you don't quite have it this year and you're going to. And sometimes a couple bad injuries can happen in the middle of the season. And that'll make the decision for you. And uh, right. and you, you know you won't quite have it this year. And uh, are going to start trading away older assets for draft picks and younger talent. It's a balance of what's make it's what makes Dynasty so fun and why it's a growing format that a lot of people want to play. I mean, you look at our, our sponsors, Dynasty Owner, yeah. uh Otnu, I mean Owner's Box, all there are so many of these uh sponsors over the years, these new sites, growing sites that uh, you know, are, are centered around Dynasty and and it's awesome. And uh hopefully we can help you with some of those questions uh moving forward as we hopefully uh shook out some strategy for you. Yeah, and and if we can't, we have a ton of different dynasty specific conversation that occurs on many of our other RotoWare platforms. Alan Slazowski does a great job breaking down mm -hmm. our dynasty con content. As long as he's not harassing me about JK Dobbins uh and whether or not he'll be able to play, he's been great with a lot of stuff. And he's been doing it all off season long and certainly gearing up here with all the probably rookie drafts really beginning or at least getting to that point, uh, certainly one to check out as well, too. That does it for us on Riddleware uh, Fantasy Podcast. brought to you by Dynasty. And we'll be back again next week getting prepared for Stake League, reviewing a few of the drafts, and, of course, going over all the training camp news and notes that have occurred now. Past week one, we are going to have week one preseason games for everyone. We'll be reviewing all that and more next week. We are getting closer, ever closer, to start of the regular season, which is always great to see. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.